want to know how to create interiors and images that take your brand and business to the next level and stop people scrolling in their tracks and actually like, follow, and even better, reach out to you to buy your product or service. I'm going to show you exactly how the step-by-step process, because if you can't captivate people with your imagery, you're really going to struggle to get your business off the ground. You will stay stuck and feeling like you're not making any progress. I want you to know that this is not just about taking good photos, although we'll cover that. It's about creating images at the next level using the art and science of styling, because this is how you create an emotional connection. This is how you arrange what you've got in an artful way to elevate your spaces. And this is how you create interiors that are so compelling that they move people into action to connect and convert with you and your product or service. So the big question, of course, is how I am going to share you with you my exact step by step process to style any interior with clarity and confidence so that you can take your spaces to the next level and create an impact with your imagery. Because this is how you stand out in a crowded marketplace. This is how you make compelling images using your existing client work, your products, or your place if you have an Airbnb. And this is really how you finally start to grow your business. If you don't have this key foundational element in your business, you're really going to struggle to make progress and have the type of growth that you want. So come join me in a free live class, The Confidence Stylist, and I'll share with you my three-step system to creating inspiring interiors and irresistible imagery with clarity and confidence. Register now at nataliewalton.com forward slash confidence. That's nataliewalton.com forward slash confident. There's a whole mindset about holding on to something just in case. And I realized that none of this stuff was serving me. None of this stuff was helping me. And it was just adding to this sense of, I've just got so much stuff and I, it's time to let go. So that was my big journey to letting go. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello everyone and welcome to Imprint. I'm really happy to have you join me today to take a look at the ways that you can get the clutter in your home under control if this is something that you're struggling with. I know many of you are because recently I ran a free class and this topic came up a lot and I want to share some ideas that have been really helpful with me on my journey. And um, I guess, you know, as I reflected on what I wanted to share with you, I had a moment of thinking about, you know, how does this happen? How is it that we get to this point where we have so much stuff in our homes that it starts to feel overwhelming? 
and it starts to feel like our home is out of control, our even life is out of control at times, and we just can't keep on top of it. We just can't get, you know, to that point where we feel like we're in a good place. We have that sense of calm in our homes. We have that sense of, you know, control to a degree. I mean, I don't really love the word control, but um, you know, cause it's got lots of negative connotations, but you know, we want to feel like we are in the driver's seat of our own home. And sometimes it can feel like we're just flying along and not even in that situation. And for most of us, you know, we start with a home that's a blank canvas. If it's your very, very first home, you might have, you know, basically your clothes and you start to accumulate furniture that you might get handed down, or you might go to secondhand stores and buy things. You might go to Ikea if it's your first home and kind of get a few bits and pieces from there as well. Certainly I did when it was kind of my very first home, but we basically start with a blank canvas. And then over time, you know, we all too often end up with a lot of stuff that we don't actually want or need. And so often, and I know that this happened for me, is that you, you move house and you've got all these things with you that you don't really kind of love or want or need, but you're in such a rush to move house. And because moving house, particularly if you've got young children, can be very overwhelming. And you just basically take all this stuff with you and then it kind of goes to the house and you leave it in boxes or you put it in the garage or you've got some kind of storage space and, um, and you've just still got all of these things that you haven't dealt with and you continue to buy and your children continue to grow out of their clothes and you have to buy them new clothes. And then, you know, different things come along for various reasons. And before you know it, you know, you've got even more stuff than you had before. And if you're like me or some other people, you move house again, and then you move a house again. And all of these things keep moving with you. This happened with me several times where myself and my husband, when we were, you know, when our children were very young, we moved house. It was about every two or three years. And often a lot of the things would go with us. This was in particular when we were living in Sydney. And so we were living in the city and moving was a very short distance. And often we could kind of hire a ute or a van and we didn't really need to get professional removers. Um, we would maybe for some of the bigger things we might've done that, but Often we were kind of moving things in a piecemeal fashion and it was very easy to do it in that way. But for us, the big change came when we actually had to move from the city to, we moved to a, a cabin in the woods, which was about an hour and a half out of the city. And this was a big move. And we knew even on the day, we could not be driving backwards and forwards. I mean, yes, in some ways, you know, we might have been able to do two trips, but we had at that point, um, I think it was, we had three children and I'm trying to remember if I was pregnant at the time with our fourth, but either way, like to have three young children at that point, they were probably all under the age of eight. It was just not feasible to be driving backwards and forwards. So we had to make clear decisions about what we were going to take. And because we had to hire, um, that sort of next level of removal service, we, you know, and we had a tight budget as well. So we didn't want to be paying to be moving goods that we didn't need. And we didn't want to be paying for a second truck. We wanted to make sure that everything could fit in that truck. And we couldn't, like I say, be doing those smaller trips. And, um, 
And really, I think we also got to that point in our lives, and I know that certainly I did, where I really felt like, you know, this is this is the time to let go. This is the time to let go of those things that are from our past that, you know, are not serving us anymore. They're from another chapter from when we were first starting out. And, you know, we don't need to hold on to all of this kind of hand-me-down furniture. I would always paint furniture by its second hand and paint it and kind of um, do very kind of basic like reupholstering with hot glue guns and all of that kind of things. And my husband was always really crafty and helpful for me. And so we would use like staple guns and reupholster things ourselves and do all those types of things. And it was really time to just let go of that stuff. And also around the time, I also started to get a really strong sense of my own personal style and what was my signature style. So what was the thing that was you know, people could identify that as my style without even knowing that I had created it. That's kind of a good way to think of it. And, um, and so I really had a sense of, you know, this doesn't feel authentic to me. It doesn't feel genuine or like it's right for me. You know, this is from another chapter of my life. I'm sure many of you had this with clothes, you know, you might've bought something at a particular time in your life. And, um, maybe at the time you loved that, you know, those shoes or you loved, that dress or that outfit, but now it just doesn't feel right for you in this chapter of your life. And so that was how it felt for me with a lot of the stuff that I had. Plus I had been working for a large part of that time on the magazine, um, Reliving magazine as the deputy editor and as an interior stylist for the magazine. And so I had accumulated all these props that I just didn't need. I sort of I kind of accumulated them over time. I would hold on to things at the end of a shoot thinking I might be able to use this another time. And I didn't. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, there's a whole mindset about holding on to something just in case. And I realized that none of this stuff was serving me. None of this stuff was helping me. And it was just adding to this sense of, I've just got so much stuff and I, it's time to let go. So that was my big journey to letting go. And I've been really diligent since then about making sure that I'm not adding to my collections all the time or if that I do, I'm really conscious about making sure that I'm also editing my collection. And I've never been at that point since where I've had that sense of overwhelm with the amount of stuff that we have. If anything, like we are really intentional about what we allow into our house and, um, it was funny, I was actually just listening to a podcast earlier today and um, the woman was talking about her, her daughter getting her ears pierced and how she then got a, an organizer for her earrings. And I thought, wow, there is such a thing. Like we don't, any of those kind of gadgets, like we don't buy any of that stuff. Like we're really simple and very pared back in terms of what we have. Um, there's a lot of, you know, like, and there's all these like slow cookers and air poppers or whatever they're called or air fryers or I don't know like there's so many different kitchen gadgets we don't have any of that stuff you know like we're really just simple in terms of what we have in our house and I just like it that way because I feel that it makes our home very easy to maintain it's very easy to clean and again I just don't feel that kind of overwhelm with my stuff so what I um really wanted to share with you was a bunch of ideas that I have, um, you know, gone through in terms of my journey of letting go, what's been helpful. And, um, and I hope that they help you 
in your journey to simplifying your spaces. So the first is um, your house, your rules. I love this idea because it's amazing that um, so often we kind of forget that if this is our home, we get to set the rules that go on in our home. And I think that this can apply. This is sort of, I guess, a, a broader idea in terms of what happens within your home. But I do think that it is important to think about your home in this sense that, you know, you are the one who is responsible for what happens in this space. And ultimately, you know, it lands with you or you and your partner, you and your husband, whatever it is. Um, and you've got to decide, you know, together what is important in your home. And I think that this can manifest in different ways. It can relate to the energy of your home because to me, you know, simplifying, decluttering, it's not just about the stuff as well. It is also about simplifying other areas of your life in terms of not just the objects, but the type of energy that's in your home, the way that people behave. And, you know, it relates to ideas of respect. Now, just to give you a little example, for us with our children, we have a rule that um, no food is to, you know, basically any food has to be eaten at the table or it can be eaten outside. And it's amazing that when our children have friends over, like one of my daughters had a friend over recently and her, um, her friend just like, they both grabbed an apple and her friend just started walking around the house, eating the apple and walking into my daughter's bedroom. And it was so funny. It might sound just insane to some of you that, but for me, I was like, oh my gosh, she's just walked into the bedroom with an apple because we don't eat food in our bedrooms. Like our bedrooms are for sleeping. Our bedrooms are for rest. Our beds, our bedrooms are like where we unwind and they're not places where we eat. And I think that it's something that I take for granted that we have this rule in our own home that we don't eat anywhere other than at the table. And we don't even eat in the kitchen. You know, we don't snack. If we're going to eat, we sit down and we're really mindful about eating and we're mindful about, you know, eating as a family. So we, we do it as a collective activity. It's not just like a constant snacking type of situation. And so I share this because this also relates to, I see this so often that, you know, people will say like, oh, the sofa's trashed or, or whatever. And, and often this is because children are eating in the living room. They're eating on the sofa. And again, we have a rule, no food on, in the living room, no food on the sofa. And, and it means that we actually really look after our possessions. We really look after our objects. I mean, I've got a sofa, a white sofa that we have had now for, oh my goodness, I've just realized we've had it for about eight years, if not longer. And it still pretty much looks brand new. Now it's got washable colors and I do wash it probably like, I don't know, probably, probably after every school holiday. So about four times a year. And, um, if not, you know, a little bit more, so like say, let's say four to six times a year and I'll wash the covers and the cushions. But even with that, it always looks pretty clean. Like it doesn't look you know, it's not in a terrible condition and it is white. <laughs> and I say this because, you know, I think it's really important that we don't have to have lots of stuff, but the stuff that we do have in our home, we really need to look after it. And so 
I just think this idea of like really setting clear rules in your home about what's allowed to come in, about the way that we look after our furniture, the way that we look after our possessions and objects. And, you know, and I share with my children that, you know, these things cost lots of money, like we need to look after them. And, you know, we don't want things to end up in landfill either. So, you know, these are the types of conversations that we have. The second idea that relates to this is that you need to be the gatekeeper of your home. So you really need to decide what comes in, what goes out and what stays. And I think that when clutter starts to creep in our homes, it's often because we are allowing it into our homes. So I say this to, um, you know, students in my course, the Decluttering Masterclass, that you need to be a gatekeeper of your home. You need to be really firm about what you allow into your spaces, because once it's in, it is very hard for it to go out. Once you've let it through that front door, it becomes often your responsibility. It becomes something that you have to tidy up. It becomes something that you've got to clean. It becomes something that you've got to learn how to manage or you've got to find storage solutions for or whatever. So really be a gatekeeper of your home. The third idea that I wanted to share with you is to set boundaries. And again, this idea applies to lots of different elements that relate to clutter and simplifying your life. So, um, you know, again, it ties a little bit into this idea of being a gatekeeper. So set boundaries. If you're looking to buy something for your home, then really set boundaries in terms of how much time you're going to spend online, how much you're going to spend and, um, you know, what exactly you're going to buy, because it's very easy to get caught up in the kind of obviously every single website is designed to get you to stay longer, to buy more, you know, upsells, all that kind of stuff. And um, you need to be really intentional about, you know, what you buy, because once you've bought it and you've brought it into your home, then it becomes your responsibility. And of course, like set um, boundaries in relation to social media, because, you know, obviously so much of social media is advertising and we see a beautiful dress that we want to buy or we see, you know, whatever it is. And we think, oh, yes, I want to get that artwork. And it, you know, we're constantly bombarded by imageries and ideas. So if you want to keep the clutter under control in your own home, you need to really set um, boundaries, you know, on these things such as, you know, time on social media, how long you'd spend shopping online and um, just be really conscious of that as well. The fourth idea that I wanted to share with you is to embrace constraints. This is something really helpful to keep in mind about how much you actually need in your home. And I always am amazed that when we go on holiday as a family, we've got a caravan, a tiny, I think it's like 16 foot. It's a very small caravan. We've got six people in our family. And when we go, we often go for, you know, it might be two weeks, it might be sometimes six weeks, and we'll go for these long trips and stay in this caravan. And we have the bare essentials. We have got some enamel plates, some cups. We've got obviously some cutlery, like one or maybe two saucepans, um, the very bare essentials and how that is completely sufficient and how much we have in our homes, in our kitchens that we barely ever use or rarely ever need. And, you know, just in our homes in general, how much stuff we have. I'm sure you've had that experience when you go on holiday and then you come back and you think, 
wow, <laughs> our home feels huge. <laughs> you know, or we've got so much stuff. And uh, particularly if you've gone camping or, you know, you've gone in a caravan or uh, I think in America you call them RV vehicles, something like that. Um, so, you know, that is something that is really apparent. So set constraints for yourself. You know, how many mugs do you really need? How many spatulas do you really need? And pick a number and set a constraint and stick to that and donate the rest. The fifth idea that I wanted to share with you is it can be really helpful to create a hard reset. So what this is, is that you commit to something for a period of time, but it doesn't have to be forever. And it's a way that you can create awareness about your current habits and what you're currently doing. It's a way that you can create a fresh start for yourself about, you know, new habits that you want to implement or new behaviors. And it's a really great way to kickstart a new behavior. To give you an example of this, um, recently my husband and I have been doing lots of research um, and, you know, uh, study and learning about um, our own health as we're getting older. You know, we're, we're all getting older, but there comes a point when you're sort of, once you've hit 40, and I wish actually I realized this a little while ago because now I'm kind of getting to the tail end of that, but when you hit 40, you, um, in terms of your muscle mass, it really starts to, um, you lose, I think, I think it's something like you lose about 2% muscle mass every year over the age of 40. And so you really need to have more protein in your diet. And this is like a long-term approach to overcoming those kind of diseases that so many of us in our society, our face, you know, my own father passed away earlier this year and he had dementia in the later stages of his life. I know so many um, people that have, you know, parents who are going through this or, you know, grandparents. And these are a lot of diseases that we can actually, they're kind of like lifestyle diseases in many ways. And they are ones that um, we can delay and or we can have a better quality of life in the longer, you know, the later years of our life. And uh, there's a great book called Outlive by Dr. Peter Attia. And this is sort of the basis of some of our learning and research about this. And um, and so, you know, we have really started to pay attention to the foods that we eat. Now, I have never been the type of person to count calories or anything like that. But I did want to create a consciousness and awareness about the amount of protein that I was eating. And so I actually um, downloaded an app to to track my macros. And I was actually blown away (laughs) by how much, and I eat a very healthy diet and I am very happy with the foods that I eat, but it did make me aware of how lacking I was in terms of protein in my diet and how I really need to focus on that um, to, you know, to live a long and healthy life. So, um, and and part of this is, as part of this particular app is, is tracking that. And I've also found this really helpful when I want to make a change in my life. There's been different seasons of my life where I have really wanted to track certain habits in terms of, um, you know, uh, like meditation or, um, you know, getting enough sleep, you know, drinking enough water. These are all different things. And so actually in my course, this um, decluttering masterclass, 
I created a habit tracker. And if you would like to get hold of this, I thought that it might be um, helpful for you to, to download it. So you can download it for free. Just go to the show notes page of this podcast. And this is episode 142. So if you go to nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast forward slash 142, you can get access to this habit tracker. And they say that it takes, you know, at least, um, well, at least 21 days to break a habit. So I've got it for three weeks because three sevens are 21. And you can insert the own habits that you want to track over that period of time. And then you can check off as you go through the habits. So I thought it might be helpful to share that with you. I will put a link in the show notes as well. If you would like to access this habit tracker, and like I said, I have used this time and time again for so many different habits in my life. And um, like I said, I find it really helpful when I have gone through um, having to quit sugar again. Um, I will sort of tick off and put like sugar, <laughs> sugar free. And it doesn't have to be, like I said, forever, but it's just it creates that awareness and it gives you that momentum when you start ticking them off. It's really helpful as well. The sixth idea I wanted to share with you is that clarity comes from the doing. So you, of course, need to take action if you want to get a result. It is so amazing how we can, you know, read books about decluttering, watch TV shows about it, you know, like it's almost like a spectator sport, but we really need to move into action to make this happen. So I really obviously want to encourage you to actually move into action and do something today from one of the ideas that I've shared with you today on this podcast. And a really helpful one is to create a keystone habit that then helps kind of make it the whole process easy. So a keystone habit is basically something often that you already do in your life. So if you have a cup of coffee every day, then what you could do is, and you want to take supplements, for instance, and you're really bad at remembering to take your supplements, then you could put your supplements next to your coffee machine or next to, you know, your ground coffee or whatever it is for you. And do that so that because you already automatically do that habit of, you know, going to have a coffee, then you can have your supplements there. The only thing I would just say is that as someone on my team reminded me is that you don't want to be taking iron if you're just about to have a coffee. But I do find that having it there is that visual cue. And so it does make it easier to do that. And um, that is something, you know, I've got a whole bunch that I stack in that sense that I always do it. So it just becomes so much easier. I mean, one simple one for me is that I put my journal on my bedside stool. I don't have a bedside table because I think that they just create clutter. Um, but I have like a stool and I have a single book and my journal. And I put those so that every morning after I've meditated, I can then write in my journal. So the seventh idea is I really encourage you to start small. It is so easy to think, you know, and I know there are some methods out there that you should take everything out of the room and, um, you know, or collect all your books from every room in the house. And I just, well, for me anyway, I don't know how it feels for you. It's just not realistic. I just do not have the time to go and get every book out of every room to go and, you know, then decide which ones keep and which ones I let go of or donate or whatever. It's just, it's not realistic. I, 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 I would never have that time to do that. 
Instead, my encouragement for you is that you start small and you really want to build up some small, quick, easy wins. I've actually got a three-step framework called the Clutter Cure. And um, I break down the process of how I do this. And it to just to kind of give you a bit of a, an idea, first of all, you need to get really clear on what's not working in your home right now and why. You need to create some quick, easy wins, and I share how you can do that. And then you need to stay organized so you can prevent clutter creep. So if you would like to grab that resource, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash clutter cure, and I will put the link for that in the show notes as well. And um, like I said, nataliewalton.com forward slash clutter cure. The eighth idea that I wanted to share with you is to keep the memory not the thing. So many of you, and I have struggled with this too, really struggle with emotional clutter. These are the pieces that really have a pull on your heartstrings. These might be the artworks of your children. These might be heirloom pieces that you have inherited, been passed down to you. These might be um, things that you've had on your own personal journey that you have, you know, you've held on to for, for various reasons. And it can be really hard to let go of those pieces. And I'm not saying that you need to let go of everything, but I do think it's important that you hold on to the objects for the right reasons. And recently, um, my husband was in a situation where his father had passed a couple of years ago. And um, before he did, he gave my husband a lathe, which is a piece of machinery. And you can use this to make things such as you can turn timber wood on it. So you can make all sorts of objects. And, um, and it's actually quite a valuable piece of machinery. It, he looked it up and it was worth about, um, it was worth about $8,000. And we got a quote to get it shipped from my stepfather's shed where it had been stored because he was selling his shed and it was going to cost us about $3,000 to get it shipped to us, um, which we live about six hours away. And my husband was really battling with this because it was something that was kind of special to him because he always used it in his workshop um, when he was growing up in his dad's workshop and, you know, being passed down to him from his dad. He knew that the kids could enjoy using it, but ultimately he decided it was a nice to have, but not need to have. And it's a really important distinction to make when it comes to going through the things that you have in your home. I mean, we can justify anything, but do you really need to have that? And I think one of the big parts of it for him was the kind of the emotional attachment to it because it was, you know, it belonged to his dad. And he ultimately said that he decided to, to say to my mom, look, you can sell it because, um, and of course, when you actually sell these things, um, you never get, you get it. I think she ended up getting $500 for it because they just needed to get rid of it. And, um, and he said, you know, I was thinking about what my dad would say. And he said, my dad would say, don't worry about it, son. It's not worth the worry. It's not worth the stress. And I think it's such a great idea to hold in your mind if you are struggling to let go of something, particularly if it belongs to a parents or a loved one and think, 
Would that person want you to be worrying about this? Would they want you to be stressing out about this? And I think most of the times the answer is that they wouldn't. So really keep that in mind when it's time to let go of things. The ninth idea that I wanted to share with you is that it's really important, and this is something that I hold very close to me, is that it's really important to be the example. And what I mean by this is I did a lot of research when I was working my book, This Is Home. And when I was doing research for this book, I came along across this idea of um, that, you know, we, we really need to take responsibility for the results that we want in our life. And it is very hard to ask other people to do something if you're not doing it yourself. And that what I have personally found is that when you demonstrate that something is a priority, that your children and your husband or your partner, they see that it's important to you and they then they model that behavior. And it is not, um, you know, and to be really honest, it actually makes you feel good because, you know, you know what, no matter what happens, I know that I've taken responsibility for the things that I need to look after. And, you know, it's that idea of um, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Like don't comment or criticize somebody else about their space unless your space is, you know, under control itself. So for me, this is often relates to um, my husband's desk, which sometimes can get messy. And, you know, and I always think, no, I'm not going to say anything because, you know, is my desk perfect right now? <laughs> and, and ultimately, you know, it's his responsibility to, to look after that. And I certainly think that it's, um, I take responsibility for the areas that are really important to me. So I, um, you know, the living room and those kind of common communal areas, they're really important. But what I see though, is that because I make an effort in those areas, then other people in the family do too. The last idea that I wanted to share, number 10, is don't solve clutter with more stuff. And what I mean by this is there is a massive billion dollar industry that is all focused on storage solutions, home organization, all of those things. And it's just stuff. It's stuff you don't need. So my biggest encouragement for you is, first of all, you need to, you know, edit your spaces before you organize them. You need to deal with your clutter before you go out and buy a label maker or a storage basket or whatever that looks like for you. And just be really, really careful about whether you need all of those home organization storage accessories and baskets and all of the things that are really specific to something that often they just often they're not really very good quality either as well I would say that so just be very very careful about getting caught up in the whole home organization booming billion dollar industry <laughs> that is my encouragement for you with that so just to quickly recap about some of the ideas that I've shared with you. The first is to remember that it is your house and your rules. 
that you really set the rules about what you allow into your house and the type of behavior. If you can hear that cracking noise, I think it's actually thunder. <laughs> At first I thought something dropped on the roof of the um, studio where I'm recording this and now I actually think it's thunder, so I better be quick. Number two is to be the gatekeeper. Um, be very careful about what you allow into your house. The third is to set boundaries, particularly in relation to buying anything in relation to your home. The fourth is to embrace constraints and really, you know, set a limit, set a limit for what you need and get rid of the rest. And I don't mean just, you know, put things in the bin like recycle, donate, all of the things. Number five, create a hard reset. This is really helpful to kickstart a new behavior. And as I mentioned, you can grab hold of that habit tracker, which I have put a link in the show notes. Number six, that clarity comes from the doing. So you need to take action. And when you move into action, you will get more clarity about what's most important to you. Number seven, start small. As I shared, you can um, get my process of how I actually go through, you know, uh, decluttering my spaces. And uh, that is with the Clutter Cure. Again, that's the link is that in the link to that is in the show notes. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash Clutter Cure. Number eight is to keep the memory, not the thing, which is really important when you're dealing with emotional clutter. Number nine, be the example. Really important if you are, you know, you have other people in your family and you really need to be conscious of making sure that you're, you know, you're doing the right thing first before you start asking anyone else to make any change. And number 10, don't solve clutter with more stuff. I hope that you have found this helpful, that it has, has given you some ideas that you can put into action today. Just take one thing, you know, think about what, what is one or two things that I can do today or take action on today. And like I said, you can grab those guides as well if, um, if this is something that you're really ready to take action on. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know anyone who is struggling with clutter in their home, then be sure to share this episode with them. I hope that they will find uh, super helpful as well. And um, love to hear from you. As always, you can send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know, you know, let me know if you have put any of these ideas into action. Just send me, you know, a pic or a DM on Instagram at Natalie Walton. I would love to hear from you. And until next week, have a beautiful week. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.